Well, following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. And we're trying to make that as simple as possible on this podcast, Leading Simple. And today, we have a returning guest uh, from the early days of the podcast, and that is Christina Kuzmich. And I always pronounce the last name wrong, probably. Is it Mitch or Mick? You actually pronounce it perfectly. Perfectly. Okay, well, wonderful. Well, she grew to fame with her video posts and blogs and everything that was for a brief time called Truth Bombs for Moms which were hilarious and it just skyrocketed into a book deal and touring and now nine agents <laughs> managing your schedule. Um, and Christina is kind enough to give us a little bit of time on the podcast to tell us how to make life simple, especially for moms. So um, Christina, welcome back. It's good to have you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, for those who don't know you, just Give us a, a little bit of your story. I know you shared that a lot at our last episode, but just kind of catch us up as to, you know, kind of where you came from and kind of what's going on in your world right now. Sure. So I feel like I've lived 90 years in my 41. So I'm going to try and really keep this brief because we could be on here for days. But um, I born and raised in Croatia, and then my family immigrated to the U.S. during the war there. Um, and then eventually I got, you know, married here and had two kids and then ended up leaving my marriage because it was the healthiest thing for me. And my kids were one and a half and three at the time. And I sort of wanted to just tiptoe out without any drama, without any court battles or anything. And so I asked for nothing. And because of that, ended up, uh, sleeping on a floor, sharing a small bedroom with my kids, um, had to apply for food stamps and all of that. And just beyond the, you know, financial stress, I sunk into a really deep depression where I became convinced that my kids actually would be better off if I committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And through a lot of work, I always try to remind people nothing happens overnight. Um, I did get to a better place. And now everything I create sort of comes from that desire to be for others what I needed when I was at my lowest. Mm. So with that comes, uh, it started on social media for you. Is that right? Yes. And then that kind of launched into you, you know, with Oprah, you got connected with her and had a brief TV show. Yeah. And really the social media platform is astronomical. The amount of views you get, followers and shares. Tell us how that kind of came about. So originally... One of the stories that I actually share in my book, which is too long to tell the whole story now, I think I may have told you a short version of it last time you interviewed me. Um, cooking for strangers ended up sort of saving me out of that place of I have no worth, I have nothing to offer. And so I've always, cooking and feeding people always became, it was sort of therapeutic for me. And so it started off with just me posting some cooking videos. And the goal even then was, and this is after I was already remarried and in a better place emotionally. Um, the goal for me, even with those cooking videos, was I want to make stressed out people, especially parents, just realize that life doesn't have to be perfect. Your kitchen doesn't have to be perfect. Nothing has to be perfect in order to still find good, in order to still create good. And anyway, these cooking shows, uh, cooking little videos, they didn't even have a lot of views or anything. I had no following. But um, I ended up basically getting discovered by Oprah and Mark Burnett, who at the time was um, producing a show that she was doing, mm -hmm. and ended up winning this 
reality competition where she gave him my own cooking show. And then during that cooking show, Oprah, this is not Oprah's fault. She was busy, I think, filming a movie or something. I ended up with typical TV execs who decided that I needed to be a perfect mom in a perfect kitchen with perfect recipes. Mm. And it drove me nuts because I just felt like I was betraying, you know, that version of me who is sleeping on a floor and hates life and hates herself. And if that girl turned on this cooking show, she would be intimidated and there'd be nothing encouraging about it. Just be another perfect person that just has, you know, no worries. So after that first season ended, I kind of took a break and then decided I'm, I want to start putting videos out there again, but I want to go back to my original mission to be for others what I needed. And that's when I really started just posting the funny parts of motherhood and was really honest about my own struggles and my own failures. And the following all of a sudden grew. And what I realized was, you know, every single human I've ever met struggles. Mm. And we all like, it's like a basic need for us to just know that we're not the only ones to just know that whatever we are crying through and feeling and struggling through that someone else has felt it, lived it, cried it, thought it, and someone else has made it through. And so can you. And I hope that I'm giving that to people. You, oh, you definitely are. And you bring up a really good point there about just kind of the authenticity side of things. You know, we have four core values at uh, the church that I'm a part of and that you attend. And yeah. one of them is real, uh, to be real and to be authentic. And obviously, you know, there's been much said about authenticity and vulnerability, and, and it's almost become kind of a, a cliche in that authenticity sells. But what, what I love what you just said there was that you didn't feel right mm-hmm. being this you know, less than who you are or, or something different than what you had put out there. And a lot of times I think we assume we've got to be brand X to be able to reach audience X when really it's just being true to your brand, who you are, and then whatever audience that is will find you. Did you find that to be true? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the people that we remember the most, whether it's somebody we've seen on social media or someone we know in real life, the people that really stick with us are never the people that appear perfect. I mean, I, I can't think of a post that I saw where I was like, oh my gosh, that person is so perfect and I just can't get them out of my mind. Their life is so perfect. The people that stick with you are the people that are sharing their raw stories and you can't stop thinking about their stories and you can't stop thinking about their grit and their resilience or their pain. So somewhere along the way, we've all been brainwashed to believe that perfect is what makes you lovable, that we all, all have to fit into this one box and that's what's going to make us lovable. When in reality... Our, our stories and our pain and our struggles are what makes us, you know, lovable and, and memorable. Mm, that's so well said. I'm just picturing the cooking shows that I've seen. I would love it sometime if Bobby Flay would burn something yes. and just throw it across the backyard. That Hallelujah. would be. <laughs> so this was me. I'm sitting in a, you know, a, one of those big meetings, a big table where there's like a one thing of water in the center and you you want the water and you can't reach it. You know, those awkward meeting rooms. Yes. Okay. So I'm sitting in that room with all these TV execs and you got to remember like a year before this, I'm sleeping on a floor and, you know, wanting to commit suicide. And now all of a sudden all these people are giving me attention and I start pitching what I want to be my cooking show. And I said, listen, I want to do a show. It's early morning. I still have mascara from the night before running down my face. My kid is throwing a massive tantrum. I'm in my pajamas and I'm trying to make breakfast. And they're like, 
no, 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 we don't do that on TV. I was like, okay, how about this? How about this? I'm going to make this beautiful, beautiful chicken dinner, but then I'm going to forget about it in the oven because I got distracted by my kids. And then we're going to end up with a burnt chicken that we'll still give them a recipe. It's great if you follow directions. And then we'll just order pizza and the whole thing ends with that. And they're like, no. And it was like everything I pitched, which was real life, which I believed every stressed out person needed to see was shut down. And so then we did this perfect cooking show and it was a disaster in my opinion. And then I end up in meetings with Food Network and all these big networks and it's the same story. We don't do it that way, Christina. That's not how it's done. People need an expert. And it's it's such a lie. People don't want an expert. They don't want someone on a pedestal telling them how to live their perfect life. What people want is someone to just hold their hand through the pain and say, hey, I'm just like you and I have hard days too. Yeah. So I hope that that will start changing even in the stuff we see on TV. I, I, I really, I honestly strongly believe that if everybody stopped filtering everything and just shared their raw truth, we would literally save lives. Yeah. Because you don't know when somebody who is on that brink where I was, where they really, they're really ready to just end it, comes across a social media post and just sees somebody else who is struggling but keeps going, that could save a life. Mm. What's the balance there? Because, I mean, you and I both have friends on social media that that's all they do. Right, right. <laughs> you feel like you're their free therapist and it's a little uncomfortable after a while. And then you well, end up blocking them or unfollowing or whatever. What's the balance there of, of authenticity and uh, positivity? I think the problem is that people, okay, the difference is, are you marinating in your struggles or are you expressing your struggles and then moving forward and doing what you can? And it, in the book I wrote, I actually, because everything for me is about cooking, I compare it to marinating chicken. Mm -hmm. Okay, so think of the marinade as your misery, whatever your misery is. And if I take that chicken and we're the piece of meat and I put it in that marinade and I let it sit in there for weeks or months or years, it's going to turn into gelatinous poison. And that's us too. If we just sit in that marinade, and just, just sit there passively, our joy is going to be poisoned, right? But I also think it's important to allow ourselves to feel what we feel. So take a dip in that marinade. Let it season you. Let yourself feel what you feel. But then at some point, you got to take yourself out of there, grab a towel, brush it off, and say, what can I do today? How can I not allow the few things that are completely out of my control to control me completely? And that's up to us. That is completely up to us. Mm. So you, I mean, obviously, you've been encouraging specifically moms and a lot of single moms because you've lived in that you've been doing this for years and then COVID hits. I know. Yeah. And it, it gets, I mean, it's been uncomfortable for you and for me and for some, but it's really, really miserable for a lot of people as far as just the job loss or the loss of freedom, even becoming a, you know, a, a homeschooler for your kids. And we were joking about this before we started recording about, you're about to be a homeschool teacher for your first grader. Um, you know, it's just, it's another realm of difficulty for all of our, um, well, just for everybody listening, what are yeah. you noticing other people are struggling with that sometimes we might overlook? I mean, I think the biggest thing right now is mental health. Mm. You know, it, mental health is already a big issue that I don't think people talk openly enough about. 
I've been really honest about my own mental health issues. I've also recently shared that both my teenagers are in therapy. I'm a big fan. I think every teenager should have a therapist, honestly, because love is hard. And sometimes you need someone to talk to other than your parents. Mm-hmm. But um, but mental health, you know, the depression, anxiety, and all these different things that people are already struggling with are now so much worse because their support groups have been canceled. Or, you know, that one hobby that they used to look forward to, which was so good for their mental health you know, it's canceled or whatever. And so, um, they're having to figure out new ways to stay healthy and prioritize their sanity. And that's really hard. It's really hard when you're already struggling Mm -hmm. to have to now work extra hard to find ways to ease that struggle. Yeah. I read something yesterday that, um, that, you know, just humans for regardless extrovert or introvert, they need eight physical touches a day. Wow. And my wife always told me that she taught her preschoolers. And when she taught preschool, four hugs a day, that's the minimum. Um, You know, and you think about that's been lost. And I think for many of us introverts, we were like celebrating the first couple of weeks. This is fantastic. (laughs) You know, it's like snow day, but I I can't get out and it's awesome. But after a while, it starts to even grate on the, the most introverted of us. There's something about that human interaction we desperately need. And now our kids don't have that. They don't see their friends. They're cooped up in a house. God forbid they're, they're cooped up in a house with somebody who's abusive. You yeah. know, domestic violence is through the roof right now. Right. Uh, it's just horrific. And I think we're beginning to see how this plays out on the mental health side of things. What's the best thing we can say to somebody who's wrestling with that? And maybe you find yourself, you know, in a situation where you're healthy, you're good, but you're trying to encourage somebody who's not. Hey, let's hit pause on the conversation for just a second. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have trouble with my prayer life. Sometimes I get so frustrated after I say amen that I don't hear anything immediately. So a few years ago, I decided to do a deep dive into this and figure out what am I supposed to do after I say amen? I mean, there's so many books about what to do before you say amen and what to do while you're praying, but what about after? So I took a look at all of the ways Jesus responds to people when people ask him for things, and his responses were pretty interesting. And I actually found about seven things we can do while we're waiting on God. So the new book is called After Amen, What to Do While Waiting on God, and it's available on Amazon uh, for pre-orders right now, and that would be about $15.99. But if you order through my website, pre-order it right now, you can order it and have it shipped to you for 14 bucks. So I would love to send that to you. It's gonna save you a little bit of money. And more importantly, it's gonna help with your prayer life. I know this study did for me. Now, back to the show. What's the best thing we can say to somebody who's wrestling with that? And maybe you find yourself you know, in a situation where you're healthy, you're good, but you're trying to encourage somebody who's not. I mean, even though you know we can't go necessarily and sit in a therapy session or, or be in a support group, there are ways to get help even during this time. Um, again, my teenagers, you know, especially my oldest son, he's had some mental health issues and he talks to his therapist once a week. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we just, we need to end the stigma of that asking for helps makes you inadequate or weak because even during this time, thank God for technology, right? There's Mm -hmm. ways there there are support groups But trying to go through life alone, even if you're not struggling with mental health, is hard enough already. So just taking advantage of these creative ways. One thing that I realized in the last year 
is I feel like we're brainwashed from when we're little to think that um, we have to do everything all by ourselves. Mm. So think about it the first time your kid tied their shoes. And what did we say? You did it all by yourself. I'm so proud of you. The first (laughs) time a kid finishes a puzzle by themselves. You did that all by yourself with no help. You didn't need any help. Wow. And so I realized we're sort of brainwashed from the minute we're born that doing it by yourself is what makes someone proud, is what makes you amazing. And then we grow up and we face depression or, you know, a pandemic or whatever. And we think, what is wrong with me that I can't handle this all by myself? And that is the number one. When I, when I realized this, I started talking to my child differently, you know, my older two teens, but my six-year-old, instead of just saying, oh, you did it all by yourself. I'm so proud of you. I'll add to that. But, you know, if you ever need help, ask, because that's great too. Asking for help is awesome because we can all work as a team. Just that little bit of a change in how I talk to him. And so... I think now a lot of adults are walking through life going, I should be able to handle everything, including all this craziness that, you know, COVID-19 added to my life all by myself, or I am inadequate. There is something wrong with me. And my biggest thing I would urge anybody listening who's struggling is ask for help. Go online, find help. There's support groups on social media. You know, call your church, see if they have any resources, but get the help you need and deserve. Mm. Yeah, I think the one thing that's been encouraging about the COVID situation is you, there's nobody you can look at and go, oh, they've been through this. They can help me. Uh, <laughs> none of us know what we're doing. So it should be a free license for us to go, okay, we need each other then. We yeah. can't uh, just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps on this one. It's, it's difficult. And, you know, going back to the social media thing, it was interesting. I recently heard from a friend who was shocked that one of her close friends you know, she thought she was doing great on, uh, you know, through, during this COVID thing because she kept posting all these amazing things her kids and her were cooking and all this stuff and, you know, projects they're doing and happy smiley faces. And then she talked to this friend and the friend was literally, I mean, just dying inside. She said, this is the hardest thing we've ever been through. So that's another thing. Stop comparing. Uh-huh. Like you mentioned before on social media, stop comparing and thinking, why am I struggling with this so much when all my friends on social media seem to be embracing it and doing all these great things with their families and getting creative? You don't know what they're struggling with. They just might not be sharing it. Yeah. <laughs> so true. And that, unfortunately, you're right. I mean, the stuff we see on social media, HGTV, all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, my wife, God bless her. She loves, she loved Chip and Joanna Gaines, but after a while, she's like, I just can't watch Joanna Gaines anymore because everything's perfect in her life. And I guarantee you, Joanna burns stuff at least once a week and her plants die. Tell your wife that I bet Joanna's plants die sometimes. Oh, they've got to die or she's got somebody that's watering it, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, you have a book out and I know this was a labor of love. You worked on this a long time and it's called- You write three books while I write one. (laughs) <laughs> with you, Rusty. Speaking of not comparing and competing, I'm totally comparing right now. Oh my goodness. Well, it's difficult. Um, <laughs> you, but this book is called Hold On, But Don't Hold Still. I love that title. Tell us more about it. I mean, to me, that's sort of been my mantra through, you know, everything I've struggled through is hold on. You got to hold on to hope. You got to hold on to the good that is still there. Sometimes we, we don't see it because we don't want to see it, hold on to the people in your life who are supporting you and who matter, but don't hold still, meaning you cannot be passive. A lot of people are dying waiting, literally, especially right now. 
I am waiting until this ends and then I will find joy. I am waiting until such and such happens and then I will fully live my life. Stop waiting. You have to be proactive and you have to keep moving forward. It's like that thing you mentioned where, you know, people on social media are being so raw, but it like gets old. It's because they're waiting. They are passively just whining and complaining. You can't do that. Express how you feel. But then my goodness, get proactive and fight for your life. Mm. Now this has... uh... I mean, it's, it's generated a lot of conversation and people are loving it. And it's, it's written in the way that you communicate your story with a lot of humor, a uh, touch of, of sarcasm and cynicism, which I love, but also a lot of positivity, which this kind of led into some uh, public speaking and some, I don't know, do you call them concerts, shows, events? What are they? Um, it's a show. It's, it's, some people call it a one woman show, which sounds like I would be playing a character. It's basically just me sharing my life story. Um, but it, we have some creative elements in there. So it's not, it's more than just, you know, a speaking gig. Yeah. But yeah, we were, it was really fun to just connect with people in person. Uh, what is, what kind of audience are you seeing? Who's, who's showing up before COVID? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's mostly moms. Okay. But there are, we've had, you know, dads we've had single people who just need a little humor or hope or something in my story resonated with them and you know they wanted to come see me in person so i would say the book especially um i actually originally fought the cover of the book because it's a very mom cover i'm holding a plunger and there's dirty laundry around and a soccer ball and i was kind of fighting that idea because i don't feel like the book is just for moms um and I'm trying even, you know, a lot of my newer videos, they're, they're not just a message to moms because what I realize is that there are plenty of people who aren't parents either by choice or, you know, are not able to have kids. And they're still struggling with a lot of the similar stuff that everybody else is struggling, the feelings of inadequacy, the inadequacy, the guilt, the worry, you know, all the stuff that we all go through. The whole book, the first two sentences in the introduction um, are there's a name for when things don't work out the way you thought they would. It's called life. And so I always think if you can relate to that, if your life didn't turn out the way you thought it would, then you'll be able to relate to a lot in the book. Well, I love the concept. I love the book. And uh, I'd love to see the show sometime. But I think the last time you were doing one, it was in New York or something like that. And then, you know, COVID hit and right. you know, get to see it. So um, at the time we air this, hopefully COVID uh, has has moved on and uh, we've moved on as a society. But uh Tell us where uh, people can can get more of your content. I mean, obviously, follow you on the social channels, but uh, anything else you want to direct people to? I mean, that's basically uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and then the book. And we will be, you know, getting more dates and rescheduling some cities, hopefully in 2021. So everybody can find that on my website, ChristinaKuzmich.com. That's awesome. Uh, Christina, you're always such an encouragement to uh, all of our listeners. And I, I want to end by by just asking you about something that I know has been something you've been passionate about and that it's this whole idea of social media bullying. Um, for a person that does so much online and so much on social media, you're trying to, um, uh, you know, bring the good out in it um, to, uh, to, to bring some light through social media, which is wonderful. But for all the good that's out there, there seems like there's three or four times as much bad and then there's the uh, the shaming, the bullying, the horrific statements that are made. And and you've come out and addressed that in the past. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of that 
and just how you would encourage, you know, parents to help their kids who are wrestling with this and maybe some, even some boundaries to set when it comes to social media. Sure. So when I first started posting my content, I mean, I was getting, and I still do, but now it doesn't affect me the same way, but just horrible comments and everything from, you know, mocking the way I look to, you know, mocking my message to literally getting comments that say, you should have killed yourself. Your kids would have been better off. I mean, just horrible stuff. And, um, and it used to really bother me. I used to stay up at night. I contemplated quitting social media a bunch of times and just, you know, going back to waiting tables. Um, even though there's bullying happening there too, people are very mean to wait staff. So, um, what I've sort of learned over the years and what I really try to teach my children, I have two teenagers, um, and a little one, but he's not on social media yet. Um, is I realized that every single time somebody has written something hateful, it came from their own pain. I mean, every single time. And, and occasionally I've actually responded to a really nasty comment and said, whatever you're struggling through, I'm so sorry. And I hope tomorrow gets better. And all of a sudden I'll get a private message or email from that person saying, my mother just died of cancer. My husband's cheating on me, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. I took it out on you. And it's like, I I knew it. I knew that came from their own pain. Mm. So this is what I've told my kids. And I actually wrote about in the book too. I started thinking of it as suitcases. We're all carrying around suitcases. We all have our baggage, our stress, our career stuff, our marriage stuff, our childhood trauma, whatever it is, we all have suitcases. And when somebody is throwing judgment or hate at you, what they're doing is they're trying to hand you their suitcase of things in their life that they're unhappy about. Maybe the choices they made, maybe the horrible ways life has surprised them. They think that pain is like dodgeball and they're going to take that ball of pain. They're going to throw it at you and it's going to be out of their hands. And so what I used to do is pick up everybody's suitcases, everybody's negative comments. I would just carry them around like a bellhop. And now, and it took years of practice where I started asking myself, does this suitcase belong to me? And if it doesn't belong to me, if, if I, if I, you know, you got to know who you are, don't pick up that suitcase. And if we're going to be honest, there are people who are listening to this right now and they are carrying a suitcase that maybe their parent gave them in their childhood because their parent was miserable or, or whatever. And they are still 30, 40, 50 years later carrying the suitcase full of lies of what they're capable of and what, you know, they should be doing and who they are. Fiction that they picked up and believed. And so I encourage everyone, especially parents, talk to your teenagers about this and, and help them realize that the hate and judgment on social media is coming from a place of pain. It is not their suitcase to carry. And, and there is nothing good that's going to come out of attacking the attacker. Either ignore it or wish them the best. But you got to know who you are. You got to have your close circle of people who will tell you the truth and call you on stuff when you need to be called on stuff. And everybody else let them carry their own suitcases. Wow. That's, that's profound because I think we all, we all carry suitcases. People have handed to us. Some of us are more naturally becoming bellhops carrying around so many suitcases. And by the time this airs, we'll be closer to the election. I can only imagine there's going to be more and more um, yelling on social media. And you're right. At the end of the day, deep down, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And I got to think that some of the things that are being said, being painted as political or being painted as, uh, you know, public health safety during COVID or whatever, comes down to deep-seated fears and pains we all carry around. I was just going to say that pain and fear, like you mm-hmm. just said, I think all of it, every time I see a, a you know, hateful co- post about politics or whatever, 
This person is in pain and this person is scared. And by attacking them, we're getting nowhere. We're getting nowhere. Yeah. Because now we're just all attacking each other, right? Right. So good. Well, Christina, it's always a pleasure. Um, thank you for fitting us into your, your busy schedule. I know you've got to go teach homeschool and unclog, <laughs> a, unclog a toilet now, so we'll let you do that. But uh, really grateful for you and for uh, for your impact, uh, not just here in Santa Clarita, but around the world. So God bless you. Well, thank you for having me. And I have so much respect for you and the amazing work that Real Life does. I love being a part of that community. Thank you so much. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We're so grateful that you're with us. Please share this with a friend. I think Christina's words will really, really impact somebody and encourage them today. We'll be back next week with brand new content. I'll talk to you then. Let's share.